welcome to the Hungry Authors Podcast. A hungry author is someone who is, quite simply, hungry for it. They're willing to do what it takes to achieve their writing dreams. If that resonates, you're in the right place. I'm Ariel. And I'm Liz. We're two book coaches, editors, and writers here to help you get there. We interview experts and chat about all things publishing and writing to educate and build a community of successful writers, whatever that means to you. Welcome. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Hungry Authors Podcast. Today, we've got Johnny Kinichi here with us. Um, Johnny, will you say hey and introduce yourself to our audience? Hi, yes. Glad to be here. Thanks, Ariel and Liz, for having me on. Uh, yeah, so I work at the Authors Guild. Um, I work in our programs. Uh, so most of what I do has to do with educational webinars and in-person events uh, for authors. And uh, being the Authors Guild, it's all focused on the business and legal side of things rather than like craft workshops. And uh, I'm a poet uh, by training as well. Okay, so how did you start working at the Authors Guild? Like walk us through kind of what, what's what been the career progression? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, a bit circuitous. And, uh, you know, it, it reflects publishing, but also like non-profit non work and living in New York City. So I, I moved to New York and started an MFA in poetry at the new school. And prior to that, my work experience was all retail. I was like 25 and uh, the Great Recession had happened, you know. So I, uh, I just did the MFA. And uh, the second year of that program, I worked for the program as event staff. So I did student readings and I handled the uh, like guest author events that we did weekly. And we did some award shows like the National Book Critics Circle Awards. And so I got to just kind of be event staff on that. That was really fun. But when it was over, I was just a, a de facto freelance writer. I couldn't find like a retail job in New York. Um, I applied at places like Patagonia and just it is just cutthroat in New York to get a job like that. Um, yeah, so I, I did some nonprofit work and then a friend of mine from the new school had started working part time at the Authors Guild and he asked me to come help out with the program he was working on. So I did that for a year before going back to freelance writing for several years and then returning to the Authors Guild. And uh, yeah, the, so I say it has to do with nonprofits because uh, people wear a lot of hats, as they say, at nonprofits. Um, you kind of just do whatever so I, I did some stuff in our fundraising department um, for the Authors Guild Foundation, our charity sister org, uh, for a while. And then, uh, you know, the webinars became really important uh, when COVID started. And the person who did them had little kids and could not could not do them at home. So I, I just took over and now it's been three years. That's awesome. So cool. And I also think it's cool and just a good reminder that there are a lot of jobs and this might sound obvious but there are a lot of jobs for book lovers in the book world that aren't necessarily like being a full-time author and like making your living writing words on a deadline you know like or so being many in publishing right exactly yeah exactly so many people i know in this industry or in the yeah tangential like um organizations around this industry, they grew up loving books, writing, probably dreaming of writing. And not that you have to put that on the back burner, but like there are so many other things you could do. I mean, Ariel and I mostly make our living like doing the actual writing, but every now and then when we're up against like three deadlines at a time, we're like, should I like do another thing in books that isn't exactly this thing all the time, you know? 
I mean, it helps have an English degree and, mm -hmm. and things like that. But a lot of people just, you know, you just kind of have to be a competent adult who loves books and you can talk your way into a lot of these jobs. Um, oh, I mean, yeah. of course, if it's the stuff in New York City, there's the hurdles of the living expenses. So that kind of excludes a lot of people. Um, I certainly I mean, I had to sell a car and get parental support in order to move mm -hmm. to New York City, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it took like, I think, 10 or 12 grand just to move into an apartment. Wow. Um, when all the expenses added up. Well, what is it like uh, just being in New York City? I mean, everyone, you know, like when I was a little baby editor and dreaming of like, oh my gosh, where's my career going to go? And obviously everyone's like, oh, well, publishing's all in New York and I've never lived in New York. <laughs> I've actually only been there a couple times in my life, even though I've worked in this industry my whole career. So I've always, I'm always kind of curious, like, what is it really like to like live in the epicenter of the publishing world? It's, you know, it's very much small world. You see a lot of the same people at, at events. Um, so everyone kind of knows each other. Uh, I lived in Brooklyn for a couple of years and I was at the dog park one day and I realized, man, I think like a quarter of the people, the dog parents here are in publishing. Like, like I saw a Penguin Random House tote bag or something. And then I like recognized somebody uh, and, and, I, and I just thought like, yeah, this neighborhood just kind of has the right low price of housing and everything these are all like junior editors and like marketing associates at the publishing companies it's pretty funny um but yeah it's it's exciting for our listeners who aren't totally aware would you give us a quick rundown of what the authors guild actually does and how it serves its members yes 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 love talking about this mm -hmm. so the authors guild is the oldest and largest professional organization for writers in the united states uh, we were founded in 1912. It's and, almost like you've done this before. <laughs> I've said these. I've said these things a few times, yeah. And uh, we, we've got 13,000 members at least now. It might be at 14,000. Wow. Um, and we've grown a lot in the last five years. Um, so yeah, we were founded. You know, basically somebody uh, didn't get paid for something they had written. A, a publisher of a short story in a magazine sold the right, sold the work to like European magazines and the author didn't get paid and there's a fight. And so they ended up uh, uh, Winston Churchill, but not that Winston Churchill. There was, there was a novelist who was very famous at the time named Winston Churchill was the first president um, of the Authors League of America. And the vice president was Theodore Roosevelt, the, the, the actual Theodore Roosevelt. No um, way. He, yeah. One of his last uh, laws that he signed as president was a big copyright law and he was really into it um yeah and there was it was the the playwrights uh radio writers all kinds of other writers and then they kind of splintered off um you know we stopped doing radio dramas and radio sitcoms at some point so the radio writers guild did not last but uh, uh so it became the authors guild and the the dramatists guild for playwrights uh, spun off from us um i've been through our archives they're in a you know in a facility uh, where they're safe and and gotten to look through documents back to 1912 and it's it's really fascinating but also weird to look at a document from 100 years ago where authors are complaining about the same things as today and the guild was like doing the same work as today and uh yeah but i'm talking about things like you know unfair contracts contract disputes um piracy stolen works whatever um it's just it never ends. So it's it's a battle to keep going. Anyway, so the Guild is a professional organization. Members pay dues um, and get benefits and services from that. 
the main thing is contract reviews. So we have several lawyers on staff. You send in your publishing contract and our lawyers read through it and mark it up and suggest where to negotiate. Uh, they'll tell you like red flags, beige flags, if you will, and um, things that you're, you're probably- a TikToker. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm TikTok. <laughs> Um, I, it should just be yellow flags, right? Um, and, uh, they'll tell you things that you probably can't negotiate, but it's worth asking. So they'll give you like the likelihood an idea of, of, of that. Uh, so that's, that's why most people join is to get a book contract reviewed by our lawyers. Um, but there are plenty of other benefits, uh, to membership as well. Okay. So when, when do you think is kind of the optimal time for an author? Like, let's say, you know, a lot of our listeners are just thinking about writing a book. They, or they've kind of started tipping their toes into like the planning process and they're kind of outlining and book mapping. Um, a lot, many of them want to traditionally publish and create a proposal. Um, so, you know, kind of where in that like developmental spectrum, do you think is like the ideal time, um, to, to look at the Authors Guild's services. Yeah, so like for sure, I, when you get a book contract, you should. And I say that because so many people don't join until their second book or third book after they've been burned by a bad contract. Uh, so the, the first book is like, that. that's when you should definitely join. But before that, you'd be joining for stuff like like websites and some insurance programs, you know, member benefits, not unlike like AARP, basically. There's just like a variety of things that come with it. Uh, and we also have a a members-only forum, which, you know, forums are a little old school. It might not sound that exciting, but you've got thousands of published authors on a private forum where they can ask advice from each other. Um, you know, so you can just ask, does anyone know a, a, a publicist for historical fiction? And then you just get like half a dozen recommendations uh, right away. Um, wow. and they also warn each other out of scams and, and just kind of talk like water cooler talk like coworkers do, but you know, writers are working alone. So it's nice to have that camaraderie. So yeah. I would say, you know, if you're interested and, you know, money's not a huge problem, you might as well join when you're seriously working on a manuscript is what I would say, because you can start to learn, uh, plenty and get into it. And then you can upgrade your membership when you get a contract offered, uh, in order to get the access to the legal services that lower tier doesn't include the lawyers, but you don't really need them until you are publishing. Yeah. Do, do you feel like it's beneficial for self-published or hybrid published authors to be a part of it? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, they might so, not have the traditional <laughs> contracts, but you know, I'm sure there's plenty other offerings. Of, of course. Yeah. 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 The, the contracts is just kind of, I mean, we'll review a hybrid contract um yeah. but it's it's not quite the same um there's not always as much negotiating in a hybrid contract uh is my understanding um but for self-published authors or anyone we do other kinds of advocacy work so for one thing your dues are like paying in you're chipping in to a system that advocates on the the in the big picture for you know fair terms and good practices in the industry uh but we do specific stuff like uh, we have a channel of communication with Amazon uh, Kindle leadership. So when there's issues like there's an Audible thing a couple of years ago, there was an ebook return thing, which was kind of a TikTok problem, as I recall. People were just buying ebooks and returning them. The return policy was just send it back if you don't like it. Um, so we work with Amazon on 
big things like that or just smaller things. I mean, we've gotten some abusive reviews removed from from book pages on Amazon uh, and things like that. It's, it's you know, it's hard to do for us, but it's like impossible for an author to, to accomplish something like that. So, uh, yeah, yeah, we hope. And then, of course, piracy, you know, right. um, all that we do a lot of anti-piracy work. So that can help anybody. I should also say uh, we do a lot that doesn't require paid membership. So the newsletter uh, that you can sign up for on authorsguild.org is free. And it means you get most of the emails that the members get, a lot of information. And the majority of our programming is free and open to the public. So the Authors Guild really only takes in the dues as revenue. And uh, otherwise, people donate additional money to the Authors Guild Foundation. So the foundation is a 501c3 regular charity, like tax-deductible donations. And um, the mission is to support all U.S. writers. Uh, so that's why the programs are free and open. And uh, it, it's honestly, we give away a lot. We give, yeah. we give away a lot of the stuff we do through the foundation. Let's talk a little bit about book talk. That, this is a conversation that hasn't come up a whole lot yet on this podcast. Um, I am a fairly new TikToker, so I don't have a ton to add to this conversation. But just off the top, like, what do you think of book talk? Like, what what are you observing that? Oh, and by the way, most of what I know about book talk has to do with the fiction side. I don't know a whole lot. And actually, I've done a little bit of research and can't find a whole lot about the, the impact like nonfiction book talk. Anytime yeah. I search for anything on TikTok, like, you know, if I want to talk about any subject, um, if I just type it in without specifying nonfiction or fiction, it's only fiction. Like I looked for something the other day mm -hmm. that was like, how to, about querying, like about writing a query letter or something. And there was it was only fiction. Nobody was talking about nonfiction, anything. Now I'm a novice and you know, I'm not spending all day looking at this. So I don't really, I'm sure there's, there's, there is that, but anyway. Okay. What do you think? I, no, I agree with what you're saying. I, okay. I assume there's more than I find for things I want to find and struggle to. Um, but the fact that it's difficult is an issue. So I, I downloaded TikTok two years ago or so. And it was totally because of work. It was out of curiosity about book talk. Specifically, I was just trying to decide, should we do a webinar on like how authors should use TikTok? And so I downloaded it and I think it's gotten better, but the experience was pretty off-putting to me as like a non-teenager. Um, you know, it just showed me a lot of like massively viral, very slick comedy videos and other some like massively viral teenage you know lip syncing kinds of stuff like like we've all heard about yeah, with tiktok same. and i'm telling it like books books man i'm putting in hashtag book talk mm -hmm. i'm i'm like searching different book stuff and it starts showing me a book thing and then back to the stuff i didn't care about and um on top of that it was it's all you know it's a lot of fiction and it's very heavy on series genre romance and fantasy sci-fi which is great and I, i'm interested in hearing about the author stuff but i don't uh, personally read that stuff very much um so i ended up kind of setting it aside and then using tiktok a few months later i started using it for other interests in my life 
uh, and just I excluded book stuff from it entirely and I put it out of my mind and I en enjoyed it. So in January or February of this year, I started a new profile for book stuff. Um, and I would recommend doing that um, to a lot of people uh, to like dip your toes in by looking at TikTok for other stuff, whatever food you like or whatever hobbies you have um, to like learn the platform without worrying about book talk and how authors use it and what the readers are up to like learn the platform first yeah and make content for those other interests and then you just start another profile and um you know it that's a, a new profile sounds like an uphill battle if you're used to facebook and instagram stuff maybe but tiktok makes it easy to switch between your multiple accounts within the app and um it's not very difficult to just get us get a start once you, if you already know the platform, you start a profile and it's very easy to start and just hit the ground running with that new profile. Yeah. Well, and I feel like we should say TikTok is how you and I connected, which I, yeah. I'm assuming yeah. now this was, I found your professional book related TikTok account. Yes. And I just noticed that you were putting out these really interesting videos that were kind of insidery from your perspective at the Authors Guild. And I was like, wow, I'm like, I'm learning so much. And you just had really interesting opinions and I, I appreciated it. So I was like, you know what, let, you know, I, I'm going to reach out and see if, see if he'll come on the podcast. So here we are. Yeah, Thank you. And you do really informative, <laughs> like useful content, which is, which is great for TikTok. Um, yeah, that, that's all great. Um, I mean, I have the luxury of not caring. Like I don't have any desire to get a, a huge platform going. Um, I don't get a big adrenaline rush out of views and comments and things. So it, I can do it for me. Um, but at the same time, it's a weird platform because it shows your content to so many strangers. You know, I think it's almost unethical to put out mediocre content because you're wasting people's time, people, you know, wasting the time of people you don't even know. So I do, I, I, I still love it. I think it can work for any kind of writer in any genre, but if someone's uh, interest in TikTok is like the lottery ticket of going viral and selling a bunch of books, I just don't think that that's realistic if you don't write romanticy or sci <clears throat> or sci-fi or, or one of the genres that are really popular there. Like that's yeah. what book talk is, I think. Yeah. Well, and even, you know, a lot, I hear a lot of people, and I totally agree with you, by the way, like, I think TikTok, book talk is a great thing to be on and try and experiment with, especially if you're writing in a genre that has a huge presence over there or has a lot of audience members or readers of your genre over there. But I hear a lot of people encouraging people to get on book talk, people, industry people. But then when you read about how book talk actually works, it's incredibly mm -hmm. organic. Like, well, you know, like, like, it's not like, in my experience, this is just what I've observed in some of the articles I've read. It doesn't seem like, you know, to take the biggest example, Colleen Hoover is so popular on Book Talk because she's on there talking about her books all the time. She, like, people liked her book. She's on there making funny, great comment content, but it's a lot, like you said, it's just like her normal life. Like, she's just super authentic and doing interesting, cute stuff. Sometimes she has her books and sometimes she does talk about them. But, but in general, a lot of her content is just her doing stuff. And a lot of the reason why her books caught fire is because other people were posting reviews on TikTok and they were taking off. 
and Colleen Hoover wrote commercially successful books, but it's not like she was engineering that, you know, I don't know. It's just kind of like yeah. hard to sort of work around. Like when you're giving advice of like, okay, author, get on talk TikTok, but then what do you do? Like, do you, you, nobody really goes viral because they talk about their own book, you know? So anyway, it's like helpful. It's a great place to be, but like you said, you know, about making, making content, like get on there and just really explore and be native to the platform, I suppose. Um, but yeah, if you're getting on there to promote your book, I don't think it works that way, you know, not in the way yeah. that like you can yeah. go on a podcast and talk a lot about your book and the people will probably go buy it. Like that doesn't seem native to the way that the TikTok book talk platform works. I don't know. What yeah. Do yeah. I mean, I think a lot of authors are willing to do whatever um, if they're feeling the inertia of having like almost no sales of a book or, you know, right. right. <laughs> so, um, you know, so authors are often trying to get to, you know, there's not a magic number, I don't believe, but they're trying to get to like 10 Amazon reviews as soon as they can um, and things like that. So, it, you know, I, I think that's great if you are enjoying it and you are using the TikTok as as the people of the app want you to and uh you're not going to be disappointed if you if you get low engagement from people but you just want to find some readers and i think that's that's great it's not uh cringe as the as the kids say so does the authors guild like advise people on how to build an, a platform is is there that kind of education or is it mostly around kind of contracts and more of the um i don't know nuts and bolts i guess Oh, we, we stray from the nuts and bolts plenty. Okay. We just, yeah, we, we don't do stuff like, uh, setting the scene or great first sentences in the novel, you know, like not, not craft workshops like that. Okay. Um, but we've, I, I've done webinars on, uh, Substack. I did two Substack webinars, mm. um, one about serial fiction and one about just, you know, monetizing a newsletter. Um, so we'll, we'll do things like that and, and various marketing things right now. We have a program that's, uh, it's just a pilot. I don't know exactly what it'll be in the future, but, uh, it's called Launchpad and it's all about marketing and publicity. That is, uh, a members only thing. Uh, that'll be more of like a benefit where, um, it'll be like advice on marketing and publicity. Tell me about how the author's guild helps with book bans. Yeah, yeah. Um, our general counsel and some other lawyers are are involved with, you know, the official letter writing, the amicus cur curiae uh, briefs that go, yeah. you know, sent to school districts and state governments and things like that. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah, we do a lot. That's something we do kind of behind the scenes, but um, it's very important to us. And uh, that's a beast because, you know, the old thing is having to go yell at a school board somewhere that they're being silly and now it's you know like statewide legislation mm. that's just not really banning specific books so much as preventing a lot of them from mm -hmm. from going into classrooms and libraries so uh yeah, yeah. that's that's a tough thing right now mm. so if an author wanted the author's guild to like advocate for them in some way, you know, there's some kind of injustice or there is, you know, there is something going on where they feel like I need an advocate. I need some, you know, someone with some real leverage to, to help me. Um, 
assuming they're a member, like what would that process look like? Uh, you fill out a form. <laughs> Super exciting. Um, yeah. And you, you get help within a week or two um, when you need legal help. So it doesn't have to be contract reviews at all. It can be non-payment of a freelance gig you did. Mm -hmm. It can be a lot of stuff. Um, okay. uh, we don't like represent you in court. Like we're not going to show up to a courthouse in a suit as your lawyer. Um, but, you know, we'll provide things you can say. I, I don't want to say we'll send those like angry lawyer letters to scare people off because I think it's rare that we do that. Um, just sometimes we do. I just not, I'm not sure when that's our place to do so. Um, but yeah, we, we jump in on anything that has to do with your rights as an author and or payment. So um, something that's come up a few times in the last few years has been small presses folding. And that's a mess, you know? It, okay. You know, I don't want to sound... Um, there's a lot... There's so many small presses. So I'm not going to try to act like people should be afraid of tiny presses but there's so many of them that some of them you know struggle and some of them are really one person operations it's just one person or it's like a husband and wife team out of their home and you know they they pay their advances and then they're selling books and then they're paying more advances and i mean it, it's it, they they get in the red and they are optimistic about getting out of it and if they don't then they disappear and you know you hope that they will do the right thing and send the authors all their book files and just give them all their rights back so the author can move on yeah um but if they if they disappear then it's a real a real problem um, yeah so we've helped we've helped a few things uh with a few situations like that uh because if you get the rights back and uh, you have the right book files, it's pretty easy to just self-publish the book. Uh, I mean, you could do it like immediately in some cases. You're just changing the copyright page and taking the publisher's name off of it. Yeah. And, and you can submit it. Um, but if you don't really get that confirmation, then the author's in this position of saying like, well, what if this person suddenly, you know, returns from outer space? I've like breached a contract by publishing the book that they still have the rights to. Yeah. You know, it's just a mess. So that's I mean, that that's a really great point, because there are so many instances I've heard of, um, thankfully, never with the publisher that I worked for. We were always pretty prompt in our responses, but I have definitely heard of authors who are like, I signed this contract and and then my book published and then I never heard from them again or, you know, no one responds to my emails anymore. No one does. And even I mean, that happens even with larger publishing companies too. Um, I think everyone in the publishing industry is just so overloaded and, you know, it, but I mean, there is a real responsibility to authors. Um, so it's, it's comforting to hear that there is a recourse. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and to be clear, um, the, the only ones I would try to avoid are the ones that are not, I don't want to be mean about it, but the ones who aren't really publishers, they're more like a self-publishing service because if they're just uploading the book to Amazon and Ingram Spark and not getting you in bookstores or anything like that, then you need to know that that's what it is. And that is an absolutely needed service that many authors are happy to, to pay a reasonable amount of money for. 
but some people are not realizing that that's what they're doing and they're they're forking over five ten fifteen grand when they could have you know hired two or three freelancers to do the work involved and then done it themselves Mm -hmm. yeah that's interesting that's that's interesting you bring that up because i just saw on tiktok um a woman who i don't know much about her and i think she's doing really cool stuff i'm not this isn't like an anti this woman independent publisher person but i was actually very confused for a few minutes until i really dug like who she was and what she did because she kept calling herself a publisher and i was like and and i could tell by the way she was talking about advances to her authors i was like you're a publisher you are a publisher and you give advances and and she was like doing this really cool behind the scenes content but i could tell it was like in her house and i was like what's going on here like you you're operating like a traditional publisher like that's actually kind of cool but what like what's going just what's going on here you know i was very confused yeah yeah i mean i i mean actually i get asked about scams a lot yeah um and you know just a lot of authors guild members have worked with me on so many different things um, that they'll just come to me to ask my my personal opinion about someone that they're about to do business with. And my answer, at least 90% of the time, is that they, they need to run run for the hills and and or not give the person any more money um, because there, there are literal scams, uh, just like internet scams that target authors specifically. And the authors are surprised because they're not expecting, a, you know, a handwritten email that references the title of their book and stuff like that. They're used to the the Nigerian prince type of internet scams, you know? Right. Um, and and then there's just, you know, the hopes and dreams of authorship leads them to, you know, get into something that they are too smart. You know, they're embarrassed about, about getting scammed. I'll put it that way. Um, yeah, but uh, other times I, it's not a scam. Uh, it's just maybe not a great business. And I, right. I just think like, yeah, like like you just got to think about what they're delivering for for the price that you're paying, and what are you not getting? Often with the the self publishing service type companies, what's not coming with it is marketing support. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which it's normal these days, even with the big five, for the author to do most of their own marketing. But again, if you're expecting something, mm-hmm. you should know what you're getting. And uh, you know, there, I guess the the red or yellow or beige flags um for that stuff is i i want to see like human beings connected with a company i want the about page or contact page to show up a, a person's name and you know there are reasons to use a pseudonym or whatever you know i don't i'm not saying i need your government name to trust you but if it's just like if the about us page says like the same two sentence blurb from the home page and there's no additional information and you can't find anything about who works at the at the company at all. I I think you're better off yeah staying away from those things. That's funny. I, I actually just forwarded e- uh, Ariel an email a couple of days ago. I got a cold outreach from a, a senior acquisitions editor at a big publishing house asking me about a writing thing. And but there is it was so like rote and had many grammatical errors in it and i was like i forwarded it to ariel because ariel's a former you know acquisitions editor and i was like is this real <laughs> like this woman seems to have a big title at a big house and i even googled her and 
she looked real. Like she has a page and uh, on the website and a LinkedIn page, but I was like, I'm still not entirely sure that this is a real email. And it seemed to be, but I was like, I thought for a second I was getting scammed. <laughs> yeah. Well, a few years ago, there was a scam about that where somebody got the domain penguin randorn house with oh, an R and oh instead my of the gosh. N. Uh, and yeah, so they're emailing people from that. And then Hachette's, you know, it's like Hachette book group, HBG, somebody got HGB and did the same oh. thing, or maybe it's the same person. Um, oh but that's, gosh. that scammed a lot of people. Cause I mean, who's gonna, yeah, who's gonna notice, you know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's yeah. so scary. Gotta... I mean, you know, I love the publishing industry. I'm just so fascinated with the history and I, you know, I read all the memoirs and I love all the books and everything. And it is so interesting how like we're just we're living in the wild west but also publishing has also always kind of been the wild west i mean there's just you know and and it's exciting on one hand because people can come up with these really new innovative ideas like have you heard of the bindery this new publishing company that they're doing like a membership thing where like you can pay to be i don't i don't know how it all works but it's this new, you know, innovative model model that like Publishers Weekly was talking about and stuff. And I was trying to understand it, but I'm just like, you know, I see stuff like that. And I'm like, wow, people are so innovative with how these publishing models, but also it's scary from an author's perspective to know what's legit and what's not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it seems like every month there's like a San Francisco tech guy saying on Twitter that he's going to yeah. disrupt publishing um and then it's just like it's just like an app for ebooks with some social <laughs> social elements to it um yeah yeah there's just i don't know i just i i feel like i'll say that the green flags about publishing is if it's just a, like a regular publisher you know like if you have an agent and or you've submitted the book yourself and a publisher says they want to publish your book. That's awesome. And then self-publishing can be awesome as well in, right. in different ways. Um, and I just think outside of that, it takes a lot of scrutiny and talking to other people who have been through it and, you know, talking to, and maybe just talk to people who don't know anything about books to see if it makes sense to somebody with fresh eyes. Um, yeah. 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 And like you said before, just like, I mean, it sounds overly simplified, but making sure there's like real people that are more or less cool seeming or okay, or people you want to do business with, you know, I think aspiring authors have this image of traditional publishing that it's, I don't know, like super magical or something. And to be sure, like there's a lot of unnecessary gatekeeping that goes on, but it is mostly just filled with normal people who you just want to find a good one who likes you and likes your work and you like doing business with them because hopefully it's going to be a long-term relationship. So find good people, you know, good houses is important and good fits content wise and that sort of stuff, but also just look for people, you know, that you actually like and seek out where they are. Yep. Yep. I think, I think a lot of new writers think that the publishing is like, it's like, the wizard of oz like the wizard right. behind the curtain and it's it's just it's just people like i said like the people at the dog park with their little chihuahua running around on their lunch break it's just regular people running all this stuff and they really just want to see good books and they 
they don't, you're not going to get a absolutely horrific contract offer from a big publisher. So that's, you know, run it by the author's guild because there's always, you know, you want to get the best terms, but there's not going to be like some completely screwed up thing that no one should ever agree to in one of their contracts. You know, you know, it's a professional business. Um, and uh, yeah, I just think that there's the publishing stuff and also, um, you know, there's also marketing stuff that's not a scam. People people <laughs> want to call everything a scam, but it's just maybe not uh, a great use of money to spend like thousands of dollars repeatedly on marketing efforts. Um, somebody showed me one the other day and it was clearly, uh, clearly from Asia. And it was not like the homepage wasn't written in very good English, frankly. And it's like, okay, that's fine, I guess. But what they were selling was Instagram impressions, like with guarantees, like guaranteed some thousands of views in, in 48 hours or something like that. And I thought the only way they're guaranteeing that is if they have a farm of guys in cubicles clicking buttons. It's, you know, it's a waste. Right. Ugh. So that's no good. No, definitely not. <laughs> so yeah. what are your plans for uh, your poetry going forward? Do you have any aspirations of, you know, kind of doing something with that? I don't, I don't know. Yes. Yes, <laughs> for sure. I, I would like to publish a variety of things and uh, I feel freer to start working on new projects now. When you do an MFA, you you're really laser focused on getting poems into prestigious journals and then getting a book published by one of just a handful of reputable poetry publishers. Um, and it's, it's just hyper competitive. And every year there's thousands of more MFA grads doing the same thing. Mm. Um, but, you know, at this point I, I would write anything. I'm not going to write something just to sell it, but I would write a children's book or whatever. Um, and I, I don't know. I think more people should write in different genres and write what they want without trying to impress other writers and things like that. Yeah. I'm not well anti-MFA, but, you know, you got to kind of you know, shake it off and look at your writing with fresh eyes after you do an MFA. For sure. For sure. Well, where can people connect with you um, if they want to or, or where can they learn more about the Authors Guild, too? Yeah, so it's authorsguild.org and it's at Authors Guild on all platforms. Uh, there's uh, there's no apostrophe in authors. I like to tell people that. It's very confusing. Um, <laughs> For the grammar people, nerds out there, it's yeah, you know, like the guild <laughs> of many authors, wonder. not the it's, guild that belongs to the author. Right. I not mean, right. It, yeah. yeah, there's not an apostrophe before nor after the S. Um, <laughs> yeah by distinction yeah and uh and you know feel free to use the contact form on our on our web page it just goes to a human it'll be it might be me who sees it but um <laughs> we re we respond to questions well and typically within one business day if not mm -hmm. like minutes after you email us so we like to hear from people and we're always happy to talk about you know what comes with membership and whether you should join yeah awesome and if people want to uh, to find your bookish opinions on TikTok, where can they do that? Yeah, it's my it's my name, right? Yeah, I think so. 
Yeah, Johnny Kenichi, C-H-I-N-N-I-C-I. Okay, yeah, there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, please do. I have fun on there. I, I try to I try to be funny and have fun with it. Well, yeah, it's so I think serious, you do a great but... job. Thank you. <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much, Johnny, again. This was great. Thank Thanks. you. It's great to connect. It's good chat. Thanks for being part of the Hungry Authors community. If you like this episode, could you do us a huge favor? Head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. We would so appreciate it. You can also follow us on Instagram at hungryauthors or hungryauthors.com, our website, to get more information about our masterclasses and upcoming episodes. Remember that you have a story and a message worth publishing. And if you've got the hunger, you can make it happen. Thank you.